1: Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. <laughs> only via at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free In term supply. See mcdonalds.com. Does picking an outfit have you running a little too fashionably late? We get it Support for Do Not Scratch Your Eyes is brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. Get 20% off plus free delivery with the code YOUREYES20 at manscaped.com.
2: If Brilliant. I have had the pleasure of meeting you in person and I've got warning, I'll make you some
1: brownies. Hey, there's right. an offer. Penalty! That is a massive decision! I'm with Gianfranco Zola. I feel that Knockhart is looking for this Penalty, penalty, penalty. Listening to the "Do Not Scratch Your Eyes" podcast. Joining us today, Helen Ward. Hello. Good evening. Thank you very much for having me. That's oh, a pleasure. It's a pleasure.
0: Absolute pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for joining us um, with a legend, um, international legend as well. So yeah, <laughs> we've, we've got we've got you uh, got you on both both parts there with Watford and um, and Wales, uh, but we'll come on to that as we go. Just wanted to really ask Helen, you're as I understand it, you're a, a local girl um born in i'm gonna say wembley area brent that way
2: harrow yeah so not far arrow. Yeah. Arrow.
0: Arrow. yeah arrow so uh yeah local watford supporter from young how did you kind of um where where did your you know like your footballing sort of startup come from was it you know uh watching watford or or, or another team
2: yeah so i, I... I grew up, as, as you said, I was born in Harrow, but I grew up in and around Watford. I lived, my, my parents still live in the same house near Bushy Arches. Um, so it's, you know, a 20-minute walk from the Vic. And, um, yeah, my brother, growing up, was always into football. He always had football shirts. And, I mean, I shouldn't probably admit this out loud, but my first kit was actually a Spurs kit, um, okay. the purple Hewlett-Packard one, <laughs> which was quite a nice out. kit, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was only because he was a Spurs fan and, you know, I copied everything he did, Um but then he got to an age where he wanted to start going to games, and he he started going to Watford games. And again, I followed him along, and I think I had my first season ticket in the family stand, sat right next to the dugouts. I think when I was about nine or ten. I um, was oh, so in the
0: old I, um, the old shed as we. Um, yeah,
2: we like yeah. To, like I think I them, actually yeah. think the season ticket only cost a tenner for the season, which is. Unbelievable to think now. Um, my first ever game was a cup game against Sheffield Wednesday. We drew 1-1 and that was a bit of a, a good result, I believe, so I think Sheffield Wednesday were in the Premier League at was the time. This the um,
1: 97 and was the 97-98 season?
2: Yeah, it must have been around then. Peter Kennedy,
1: special from the RFA line, if I remember rightly, I'm going to say. Maybe,
2: maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I'll call it, two. I went with my two older brothers, um, and yeah, from that minute I was hooked. I think I actually spotted myself on Match of the Day when they showed the highlights, so that was probably more the reason why I kept going. But yeah, I kept my season ticket. I had, had it in that stand for probably another five five or six years and then moved into the rookery into the seat that I'm in now and you know I've, I've missed my seat very much this season um I yeah. can't wait to get back in it
0: yeah 100 percent I think we're, we're all in the same boat there it's um getting close I've just renewed my season ticket so oh, I still have not oh, yeah, had my tricky. email
1: I still have not had my email when's it coming that's what I want to know oh I oh, know terrible
0: yeah just just is not going he doesn't know it yet but he's yeah hobby <laughs> going that way so just, just talk me through, um, you know, getting into into playing football. Where, where did that come? From? You've always enjoyed it. Did you, did you kind of fall into it? Was it through school? How, how did you kind of, um, you know, get involved? Yeah. So again,
2: it was my brother. He played at the weekends, and I used to sort of follow him around. I was used to being at some sort of sporting event every weekend with my mum playing hockey and netball. My dad was he played cricket and hockey and golf, and my brother was into football. So I was always around sport from a really young age, but it was football that sort of grabbed me, really, um, whether it was playing in the garden with my brother or or watching him on the side. And then he, he started secondary school and he found a, a flyer for Watford um, just advertising for new players. And he said, look, why don't you go along? You, you like playing, you're quite good. And for my brother to tell me I was quite good at something... <laughs> meant quite a lot because it wasn't often that he said that. Um, So I I roped in two friends and we went along and and that was it. It was in an old sports hall with a wooden floor with leaks, so it was a bit slippery in patches, but... (laughs) Took my own ball along, kicked the ball against the wall a few times and the manager came up to me and he said, you know, how do you fancy playing a game this weekend? And I was like, yeah, why not? And I think I scored a hat-trick in my first game, which was quite a nice introduction. There you go. Yeah, yeah, I was there (laughs) and and I stayed at Watford for, I think it must have been another, another 10 years after that. Wow! And so that was kind of, but it was—it was always just to do with enjoyment. Um, I didn't have a clue that there was any such thing as proper football, if you like senior football. I didn't have any female role models to look up to. That was just, you know, yeah. they weren't around at that point. There was nothing in the media, nothing on the TV. I just played it because I loved it, and you know, that went right up till I was probably seventeen, eighteen years of age. You know, there was still nothing around I was paying to play I think until I was 21 and I moved to Arsenal I paid to play every season that I did up until then
0: Um, and it
2: was only when I left Watford the first time where I thought actually do you know what this is this is a bit more serious than I thought it might have got to
0: yeah no I get that just going back onto a couple of things you said and this will go into nicely in, into something maybe you probably don't know about. But when I was at school, so I, I, I left school, uh, senior school in '99, I left, and there was a there was a, a girl at my school. And, and, and whenever I get um, whenever I get asked about um, players or, or, or kids at your school who who was good, there was always a player at my school, and, and she was a girl, and she was different class, like just different class. And at the time, there wasn't any. You know, like you just said, there wasn't any really anywhere for girls to go and play football. Yeah. It was kind of like, you know, it, similar to other things, you know, like boxing and stuff like that. We've got, you know, it just wasn't the availability there for them. Uh, and this girl, obviously, you lose touch when you go, you know, you leave school and stuff. And this girl went on to play uh, and she went on to play with you as well. Uh, and I'll give you her first name it's Leanne. Now, I knew her as Tao, but I think she's Barnes now.
2: Yes, she was incredible. She She was was such a gifted player. Yeah, Yeah. amazing. She's one of the best I've played with, you know, even now. It's such a shame, I think, injuries held her back. um, When things, you know, the women's football started becoming more and more popular and more and more sort of widespread, she had a couple of knee injuries that really set her back, but... Mm. Honestly, she could put a ball on a sixpence. The amount of assists she must have got for me when I was playing with her as a youngster was was outrageous. She, yeah. uh, the most naturally gifted footballer probably I've seen, you know, throughout most of my career. She she was a fantastic player, and, but it's such a shame if I said that yeah. now to most people, they'd be like, no idea who she is. Um, I but I mean, she played with Farrah Williams, and I think that says all you need to know. Um, who went on obviously to become the most capped English footballer ever. So yeah, yeah she was she was fantastic. Yeah, she was
0: incredible, and, and it, it was amazing. You know, like we, you know, as as lads, back in the day when we used to pick, and Leanne was probably the only girl that that, that played with us at the, at the yeah. time, and she was always the first pick. <laughs> Get Leanne, then we were all right. We got we got some girls yeah. in our team, but yeah, no. She, um, and I remember we, uh, we we both went to the St. Anthony's as a, as a junior school, and she played. And, and to be fair to the school at the time, they let her play because she was so good. You know, yeah. there was no there was no no other player around there. But I, I spoke to her uh, recently because I, I mentioned I've got you on. She tells me one thing she said about her uh, about your boots. She nicked your boots for a season.
2: (laughs) She did, yes.
0: (laughs) I can't remember how it came about,
2: but for some reason, I'd ordered a pair of boots, and this was back in the day where it was quite cool to have your name stitched on the tongue. And I'd ordered a pair of the David Beckham boots, and they sent me the wrong color, the Predator Manias, and they sent me the wrong color. But because they were stitched, obviously they couldn't resell them and they just said okay don't worry we'll send you the right ones and they ended up sending two more pairs of the right color so I ended up with two black and one pair of champagne <laughs> and then um, so I had three pairs of boots for for that season which is ridiculous and i think i don't know if her boots were broken or something but i had a, obviously I had a spare pair so she played a season with uh with lander on her boots and the number 10 uh, which obviously <laughs> is my maiden name um and i'm sure that helped her score more goals i'm certain it of did. it she
1: said, she said that. <laughs> <laughs> so so were you always uh, a striker is that the position that you always felt most most comfortable playing or have you played in other positions
2: no it's always been a forward of some sort um which is quite unusual i think so many players go through different positions in their career quite often you start as a forward and end up end up at centre back when you get to my age but <laughs> for whatever reason i've been able to i've been able to hang on in there and i think the deepest i've been is a wing back but that didn't last very long um, thankfully <laughs> we're running. in so know, I didn't mind the running and actually I think I had one of my best goal scoring seasons from there but I think we were we were in a league that we were perhaps a little bit too good for at that point yeah. and so I didn't have to do too much defending um, I think if someone asked me to play there now it might be a bit of a different story but yeah I've always been a forward either on the wing or, or through the middle but it's where I felt most comfortable I feel my game is naturally suited to finding little pockets behind players rather than having to worry about trying to win the ball back often my my job's to stick it in the net and that's that's where I'm at my happiest
1: and you've done have it a few times it? as well Yeah, you know, actually, looking at yeah. your uh... we are
0: we are in the presence of a of a natural goal scorer here which is uh which is something that you don't say every day so just on the on the goal scoring front ha- have you got a goal that you, you kind of look back on and go yeah that was a beauty is there is there one that sticks in your mind that um... you know any club uh, or even Wales or, you know? There's a couple,
2: yeah. I mean, one that I wish meant more um, was was for Chelsea and it was actually in the FA Cup final and I took it down from sort of a long clearance that went however many feet up into the sky, I managed to bring it down with a good touch, which is unusual in itself. And then on the turn, I nutmegged the defender, went through one-on-one with a goalkeeper and then stuck it in the, in the corner with my left foot. Um, so that was quite special but we went on to lose the final on penalties so it could have been so much because until I think injury time we were leading that game but it could have been the winning goal in an FA Cup final which would have I mean I could have retired there and then and been happy to be honest Um, as it turns out it it meant very little so I'm always a little bit hesitant to choose that one because it it essentially meant nothing so I think one that one that does stick in my mind there's two for Wales there's one that I scored on my 50th cap which won us the game it my first game at the Cardiff City Stadium, which was pretty cool anyway. Um and it won us a game one nil against Belarus. Um and it was my thirtieth goal for the country as well. So it was quite a nice rounded thirty goals in, in fifty games. That's um but record, then that
1: that's an amazing something. record. That. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but I think my my most recent one for Wales, it wasn't necessarily the best goal I'd scored but it was the first one I'd scored since I had Charlie who's my youngest and it'd been a long time since I'd scored for Wales I'd been in and out of the team and hadn't played as many minutes as I'd hoped in in sort of two or three years since having him and I managed to grab one in in the last campaign against the Faroe Islands. And, it, I mean, it was it was an OK goal, but it wasn't necessarily my best. But it, it meant a lot because it was kind of a relief of, yes, I can still score, having That's had two kids. You, and, you know, you, before, yeah, yeah. It, you know, the weight of, of expectation just from myself had started to get a bit heavy. So it was nice to tuck that one away and, and sort of get that monkey off my back, if you like.
0: Just talking on goal scorers and... and... I think you're you're quite qualified to probably um, to, to talk about it quite honestly with your record, but you know looking at at Watford this season, I know we've had a fantastic promotion and and it, you take nothing away from that, but. Goals have been hard to come, come by from you know, from the strikers and I know there's you know Troy's had his injuries and um and, and we, we, we don't have rich pickings at the moment up there. What what for you is, is a is a thing with, with goal scorers? Is it is it confidence, is it you know, repetitiveness or you know, what, what makes a, a, a real goal scorer?
2: Yeah, it's difficult, and I'm always really on the side of a striker, whether it's a Watford player, or whether it's someone that's going through a tough time in in a different team. I'm always, it's almost a bit like the goalkeepers union. There, there's a strikers union yeah. as well, and and I, I hate to see a player go through a patch where they're not scoring goals because I've been there, and it you honestly think I can't see where my next goal's coming from, and it got a bit like that for Wales for me because I hadn't ever had a period of, of that length of time without scoring. I, I, I tend to look at at what the players offer off the ball as well. Um, rather than just the goal scoring because I know that you're judged on goals but but when you are a forward, you know how much work goes into the rest of the game as well. Yeah. So I, I try to appreciate what, what players offer, the work rate, the positions they get themselves into. And, and even if they're not touching the ball, some of the runs that our forwards make are so unselfish that it opens up spaces for someone else. Yeah. And sometimes I think that goes a little bit unnoticed. And this is not me saying, you know, listen to me, I'm an expert. It, it's just that <laughs> I don't know. I, I, maybe I have an eye for it. But, you know, unless you're looking out for it, you don't necessarily see it. Um. So I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't like to criticise any of them, but similarly, I know how how pleased they would have been. You know, Isaac scoring on the last day would have meant a lot to him. Andre Gray putting that one against Byte, uh, Birmingham away, you know, a really nice finish, and he'd had a lot of a lot of stick, and he'd had a few chances that he hadn't quite taken. You know, even Troy's penalties. That yes, they're penalties, and he gets it gets said that he's only a penalty results, taker, but they? then you have to take them, you know, yeah. and. And we had confidence in what he was doing and it takes a lot to do that because keepers knew what he was going to do, but none of well, them it. stopped it. No. So, yeah, I don't like, I, I try not to criticise. I, I do think that we perhaps need to strengthen in that area just to, to help them out. But I've no doubt that one or more of them will come good next season in terms of numbers. Um, But if they don't, the the goals were shared out so well around the team that it it didn't become so much of a problem. And and if that can be the case, again, you don't really want to rely on just one player. It's nice to have that 15, 20 goal striker, but it's nice also to be able to share it around and not have to rely on one player to score the goals, maybe a bit like Man City you know they haven't with Aguero being out this season for a lot of the time they haven't had that one person that they've gone to they've all had their sort of mini purple patches which sort of helped the side and and if we can do something similar then then that's going to be great
0: yeah no spot on you know absolutely that's um what I'm hoping that we can uh we can strengthen in the well we will strengthen in the summer I think goes without saying but yeah definitely to get the goals um for next season because we're going to need them Definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I just want to touch on something and I, and it's more about your international side. Am I right in saying that you represented England as well at an under twenty three level? Yeah, so
2: when I was I think I was twenty two or twenty one, um I got called up to England under twenty three, um which you know It was a a big honour, having gone all the way up to that age without a call-up to any of the younger age groups, it, it came as a bit of a surprise. I'd done okay up to that point, I'd always scored a lot of goals, but I was never maybe at one of the more fashionable clubs perhaps, and that's why I hadn't been picked up, but and this is no disrespect to England. I just never felt right there. I never felt like I fitted in, really, on the pitch or off the pitch. Yeah. Um, so I went, I think, on two or three training camps and, and one tournament. And then after that, I always dreaded having the the letter. We used to get letters then, not emails. Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> <carry> <laughs> I used to a sort of. I almost then. yeah. <laughs> message in a bottle. Yeah. I used to almost dread uh, dread the call up, and my mum said that's not you shouldn't yeah, feel like right, that and then it was just a sort of chance conversation with with the coach at Watford who happened to be the assistant manager for Wales um, and a teammate at Watford who was playing for Wales and she always used to say how brilliant it was and he he kind of just said you don't have any Welsh grandparents do you and I was like well yeah I do and he I said why he said well what do you think and it kind of again I was a bit taken aback but I thought you know what why not why not go for it and and sally was in my ear saying honestly you'll never you won't regret it you'll love it you'll fit in and you know you'll be really good for us and went along to a training session and i honestly had never felt so welcome before that That was all i needed a little bit of a little bit of love and and appreciation and and that was it and i think i made my debut about two months later managed to grab a goal and and that was it the the feeling of putting that red shirt on has just you know made me more and more proud every time
0: Brilliant. Yeah, I mean, that, that's exactly what you want. And I've heard a few people say that about uh, international camps, you know, they can be very, I guess the word's clicky, you know, they, mm. and, and if you don't automatically sort of get into that, how that works, it can be really difficult to then go and be confident and go and perform. You know if you're not yeah, and I think, I think
2: that the girls that were there at the time they'd been through the age groups together, so I was almost a bit like an outsider coming in, um, which is difficult anyway. And with England and the talent pool, it's so competitive too. Um, and maybe I just wasn't cut out for that at that point. Who knows if I'd have stuck at it, things might have been different. I don't know, but I've got absolutely no regrets, and yeah,
0: you shouldn't have, no. you know.
2: I've, as I said, it, it makes me proud more proud every time I, I get to sing the anthem and, and put the shirt on and it's it's the best decision I've ever made you know on the on the pitch or off it it's just something that I'm incredibly proud of and I'll look back on my career and, and Wales will certainly be a massive massive part of that Yeah
0: I mean you're a record goal scorer for Wales so uh, in itself is is an incredible <laughs> achievement do you know what I mean it's like that, that that can't be um you know that can't be just brushed under the carpet it, it is what it is uh, and you've worked you've worked hard for that and you know fair play to you for I guess having the bravery to do that, because maybe you you know in a different world, your experience of England kind of would have gone. oh I'm not sure if I'm really up for these international um, national games. You know, taking you away from yeah. your comfort zone almost. Yeah, of course.
2: And but I, you know, I was lucky in that. I mean, it's, it's well documented the the sort of rivalry between the two countries, and, and perhaps the Welsh don't always welcome the English over the <laughs> bridge. Um, but I've I've never felt for a second that I was a muggle as they like to Is call, that call, call us <laughs> um Brilliant. but I've never been treated as one and I've, I've never been you know I've never been questioned in terms of my loyalty and, and where my my feelings were so yeah. as soon as I as soon as I stepped in I, I immediately felt like part of their family and as cringy and cliche as that sounds you know some of those girls I've I've been with since since that day are still playing with me today and you know sort of what we nearly 11 years later some of them are some of my best friends in football and I've always felt very much as Welsh as them and, and they've always treated me that way which is is, is not always the case so yeah I'm, I'm very grateful to have met a bunch of teammates that were so welcoming and you know happy to have me along.
0: Brian uh, Giggs, Brian Giggs is a, is a Michael then as well because he had a similar England represented England up to a mm-hmm. youth level and then, and then yeah. chose Wales over it, yeah, so yeah. A fair play to you. Just, um, just take us on, look, I think it's, it's fair to say, and Justin will probably back, back me up on that, that um, the, the, the women's game is, is just starting to, in my opinion anyway, really just starting to come through and really starting to push... Mm. push through the clouds and and get the get the recognition it it deserves i I mean it's going on far too late you know this should have happened a long time ago but you know that that, that's the world that we unfortunately live in what's it been like for you have have you noticed the changes from when obviously you first started out to to where you are now about you know even things down to your training regimes how you train the kind of professional setup is is that all now in your opinion, it's kind of on par with with where the men's game is. Oh, it's massively
2: changed. Don't get me wrong. And and obviously, I can't speak for every club, but I'm pretty sure most clubs have, have evolved enormously in that time. Um, you know, if you look at it, when I moved over to Arsenal, um, in 2009, we trained twice a week. It was at the training ground in fairness, which a lot of clubs didn't have didn't have that access at the time. But we trained two evenings a week and played at the weekends. And they were the best team in the country by a mile at that point, the most professional ahead of everyone in in everything and then you fast forward to now I'm at Watford where we're in the third tier and we're training 3 nights a week so that kind of shows the difference. Obviously, mm. Arsenal then have gone up themselves and they're now fully professional and, and train in the same facilities and the same sort of times as the men. They have exactly the same sort of treatment, if you like. And yet, and we've come along in the third tier and we're we're past where Arsenal were when I started, if that makes sense. So, yeah. I think that shows the growth across the whole, the whole of women's football. Um, more and more clubs are, are fully integrated with their men's team. You know, we're at the training ground now as well with Watford. We've been there for a few years. Um, we've got access to the first team gym and you know all the staff there are really helpful to us you know although they might not be directly working with us they'll always make sure that they they say hi they come and check on how we're doing if we need anything they're there for for support whether that's academy staff or, or or staff from the first team um, if we cross paths, there's always that real mutual respect. And, you know, it's always nice to have that in a club because it hasn't always been the case, not just at Watford, but plenty of clubs um, right across the country. So the the growth has been exponential now. It, it, it's it been huge, but there is still quite a way to go. And I'm yeah, sure yeah. that people see some of the the negative press that comes around with some clubs. And, you know, there's still steps we need to take to... make sure everyone sort of understands and appreciates women's football for what it is. You know, there's this this constant obsession with comparing the two, as if you can't like one. If you like the other, it's a bit like the Messi and Ronaldo debate. You know, why can't (laughs) you just appreciate that they're both world class footballers? You know, women's football can can exist alongside men's football. We're not trying to take the place of it, but you do get these comments online in particular and you know people's thoughts of saying why are you putting why you forcing it down our, our throats? Why is it going to be on the TV? Why is it why is it every I mean, turn over if you don't like it, we're not forcing anyone to watch it but we need we need to put it out there so that more people can get involved if you do want to be involved and and help the game grow cuz it's never going to get any better if we don't have the support so well, you know let's try and grow if you don't like it that's fine move on i don't, that's you know that's your decision but you don't have to put us down while you're doing it
1: yeah on that uh, have you noticed that there has been uh, an increase in interest in the women's game since you started in terms of attendances and media interest and that sort of thing
2: oh yeah right again it's been ridiculous how much it's grown and how much the, the interest has come on because you know we now have dedicated media days when we're on international camp where the media are able to come in and, and request interviews or you know do bits and bobs with the players whereas before we'd, we'd barely speak to anyone um you know and the same at club level the coverage you know the, the big BBC and Sky Sports deal that's been announced for, for next season for the women's game in the top two leagues is, is huge because as I said when I was growing up I didn't know about any of the teams that existed because it was never it was never put in the spotlight. It was never never shown in the media. Um, we'd have parents and and family coming to watch games, whereas now you're getting a lot more local attention. Fans from the men's side are coming across, and and yeah. I think in the WSL we've seen. Obviously, this season's been different because of um, the the coronavirus pandemic. But when games have been played at the the main stadiums, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, the London Stadium at West Ham. They've had huge crowds. Everton and Liverpool played at Anfield a couple of years ago and and drew a a thirty thousand crowd, you know. Amazing. I think that shows that the the appetite is there. If you put it on at the right time and in the right venue, you'll get people to watch. But obviously there's things to consider. You can't play every game in the main stadium, but can we do it a little bit more often? Because that way you're not making people go out their way. And yes, of course, you want them to come to your ground wherever you're playing. But if you make it familiar... To your fans you know for example if we play at Vicarage Road fans are a lot more likely to come along because they know it it's a routine and it's going to a game at their favorite place in the world so you're going to naturally get more people there and if they come there and they like what they've seen then perhaps they'll come and see you at your your normal ground or where you play you know some of your other home games, and and that's the way I think is is going to help grow the game. Um But certainly, yeah, when I was growing up, you'd never get crowds such as the ones I've mentioned. You know, anywhere near that, other than for probably massive internationals. But even then, I don't think you'd have got near those numbers.
0: I think America kind of took the the, the uh, correct me if I'm wrong. They they seem to get hold of the women's game a lot quicker and and really pushed it on them I and obviously went on to be world champions in the end and then the game that they've got over there so they kind of had the right focus on it and I think that's all it needs here and the fact that Sky are involved and, and mm-hmm. so forth that can only be good for the for the women's game because it generates money you know and that that money hopefully filters down into those clubs you can then even you know start developing players and
2: exactly
0: you know before you know it you, you've got another Leanne you know, coming through from a school and they've got somewhere to go, and, and and that that's what keeps the game alive, and that's what it's about, really. It's not really about you know me and Justin, or, 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 you know even yourself. We can have an opinion on the game, and we can say mm-hmm. if we like it or not, but that's all it is. It's an opinion. It's really about building it and, and and getting it out there to as many people as possible. So, all good.
3: yeah, definitely, yeah, all
0: good. Um, I've got a question now. It, yeah, it's it's not a personal question, but it's a question that that. <laughs> I'm interested because despite the fact that you are a, a footballer, uh, you also have a very other important job, the biggest job that you've ever had in your life, and that's being a mum. <laughs> How does that work around football, you know, like normal family life? Because I'm, I, you know, I, I don't know the, the, the goings on in... in uh, inside of your house but i'm assuming you know things like getting the kids sorted and, and, and things like that how does that kind of have a bearing and i and i know professional football is the men's game they've got to take their kids to school and so forth i get that but i'm just interested from a from a, a mother's point of view because the connection's different to, the, to kids i think and it just interests me that how you kind of balance all that
2: yeah it has it, it has its moments of course and, and my chi- <laughs> my children get ready and for making <laughs> yeah have you have you been watching my household Probably, (laughs) Um, no I mean it's it does I have to rely a lot on my other half and his parents my parents you know they've been absolute superstars because when I've needed to go training obviously the kids need looking after so I don't only need to find the time for myself to go and train I also need to find someone else's time for me to go and train so you have to sort of balance things obviously my kids they come first they have to come first and making sure that they're okay is my, my number one priority. But as I said, I'm very fortunate that my family and friends are very supportive of my football career. And, you know, when I had Emily nearly seven years ago, I sort of questioned whether I'd be able to go back to playing football. I always knew I wanted to, but obviously the logistics and stuff, it was very difficult. But my mum my in particular, who who's followed me up and down the country, overseas and, and everywhere you can imagine, she was very clear in that she said, I don't want you to have to give it up because you're a mum. Your life doesn't stop just because you've become a mum. And, you know, for her to say that, and, and she, you know, she still plays netball now she won't mind me saying she's that's 67 awesome. years old and she's still playing netball and she's very much you know me and my mum are best friends so I know that her continuing to have a life has never had a negative impact on my relationship with yeah. her um and she carried on working she carried on playing sport I think I have very much had that same mindset of of course my kids come first but I also have to be me and I have to have my own time and and for me that's obviously football so you know with her and my dad both saying that they do as much as they can. My husband obviously supported me as well and, and his parents. No one's ever really questioned me and, and I've never, I've I felt guilty myself, but I've never been made to feel guilty by others, yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, you know, there's been times I where I, I think I shouldn't have to rely on other people or I shouldn't have to ship the kids off to, to stay with mum for a week while I go away to Wales. You know, I know my kids are happy and I know that they're in a safe environment. So if it's a if it's a case of of them missing me for a couple of days, I think it's out of sight, out of mind. They probably love being at nanny and papa's house anyway. <laughs> yeah, they get
3: spoiled, um, and so forth. Exactly. Okay.
2: So I'm sure that it works out nicely for everyone. Um, but yeah, it, it has had its challenges, and there have been moments that perhaps would have been different if I didn't have children. But again, it's not something I'd ever mm. I'd ever change or or ever look back with any sort of regret or resentment. Um, I'm proud to have come back to international football having had two children and.
3: Yeah, and I hope no. that them
2: seeing me play and, and growing up <laughs> growing up around me playing football and, you know, with some other not just myself but some some really cool role models in their life, you know, my teammates and and people that I've played both for club and country with, they've they've got some pretty cool people to look up to as well. So I hope that stands them in good stead for the future.
1: On a, on a similar uh, vein, do you sort of plan pregnancies around major tournaments and things? So you think, oh well, look, there's a major tournament coming up. Coming up, there being pregnant would be a really bad time to be pregnant now. Or <laughs> do you just let things happen naturally? I mean, yeah, or...
3: of course. So I
2: suppose it does. It does cross your mind, but you soon realise that there's never really a perfect moment because partly because you don't know how your body's going to react you don't know how long it's going to take you to to return so you might plan I don't know to have a baby six months before a world cup because it falls after a big competition but before the next one but you might not be ready to come back in those six months
3: yeah
2: or similarly you might think you need a year but actually you're going to be back in three months so it it really varies from person to person and pregnancy to pregnancy and I want to say fortunately, but not really fortunately. I've not had a major tournament that we've qualified for yet, so that that wasn't a massive issue. You, you're going to miss something when yeah. you have a baby because it's not a it's not a short term thing, of course. No. Um, so. I, I'm, I'm sure there are people that have planned it perhaps a bit more intricately than, than maybe we did, but I was I was quite lucky that I didn't miss ridiculous amounts of football with my two. You know, it it, it, it was what it was and, you know, whenever you do it, you're going to have to catch up a little bit in terms of fitness anyway. So, it's yeah, it's when it's right for you and your
1: family more so than the football for me. Yeah, of course. Of course, yeah. No, that's cool. Have you ever hurt your balls while trimming below the belt? One of our listeners, let's call him M., Brings us this story.
0: Yeah, it was actually um, um, my cousin's wedding, and I was getting picked up, rushing around in the shower, and I used my clippers, and then literally I caught my sack, literally, and I was in a rush to get out as well. So as soon as I, like it sorted itself out, as soon as I got it, sat in the car, well, basically every time I sat down for that whole weekend, it would just rip open <laughs> and, and be blood. So every time I sat
1: down, I literally was just wincing. Like, ah, because I knew exactly what was happening. It's not, it wasn't pleasant, I can tell you that. And that is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team has perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawn Mower 3.0 in the UK. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. And when I tell you this is premium I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. Get 20% off plus free delivery with the code YOUREYES20 at manscaped.com make your testes their besties
0: um just on to uh, obviously the the covid situation is has hit football you know throughout the lower leagues uh and the, and the women's game especially in that they haven't well it's been hard there's been nothing you know and we're trying to obviously get back to uh, to normality how, how have you been keeping yourself fit have you still been sort of a training regime? Um, What have you been up to during the the pandemic?
2: Yeah, it was really tough. Um, I think last summer was slightly different because everyone stopped. Mm. All of football stopped. Premier League, international, you know, whatever level of football, there was nothing going on, which was really hard for all of us as players, but also supporters as well. Like, I miss turning on the TV and and there being a game on or or any sort of live sport, to be honest. So it, it was a bit more sort of, we were in it together and you can share online training sessions. You can, you know, you can do all the Zoom quizzes and stuff with your teammates. And it was a bit of a novelty, but then it got tougher in the winter lockdowns because obviously most of the elite level football had carried on, um, whereas our division obviously had to stop a couple of times. We stopped in November and then obviously for a, a much longer period from January to what the end of March. Which was really, really hard because for me as an international, I had my Wales career to think about and a lot of my teammates were still able to train and play with their clubs. So they, you know, nothing really changed for them. Whereas I was thinking, how am I going to keep myself sharp and fit? You know, there's only so much running you can do on your own yeah. that's going to relate to football, really. So I was physically fit in that sense, but, but not really football fit. Um, so I ended up actually going out on loan to London Bees for, I think it ended up being about six to eight weeks, maybe maybe a little bit longer, um, which I was really grateful for um, because they, they were in the championship and they were still training and playing and, and it's only 20 minutes from my house. So yeah. I was quite lucky that, that I had that more or less on my doorstep and that they were willing to accommodate me, which was, was really good of them. I didn't probably play as many minutes as I'd hoped in that time, but I was able to train or three times a week with them which was the main thing so I was getting back on the ball and, and able to put myself in contention for the whale squads um, that we had in that time so um it was it was a tough time probably more so mentally than physically just because it's a it's a horrible time of year anyway you yeah. know January February dark and it's, it's dark, dark and dark cold in the morning, and dark in the you evening, know it's not Christmas it's... anymore
3: <laughs> yeah
2: um the pandemic just sort of added to that and then not having football, it just all sort of all came to a head and, you know, at one point I was thinking, let's just give it up. You know, there's no point, how are you going to carry on? But I gave my head a wobble and, you know, came out the other side and looking forward now to hopefully a, a free season and a, a, a less disrupted 2021-22 uh, season, hopefully.
0: So um just... Really talking about your career, um, started off at Watford, went to Arsenal, Chelsea and Reading. So how did the, and, and forgive my ignorance with this, how, how do the, the transfers work in uh, the women's game? Is it a similar setup to, to the men's game? Is there actually exchange of, of funds or do you get to an end of a contract? How does it work?
2: It's getting towards being similar to the men's game. Uh, there's a lot more agents involved now, okay. rightly or wrongly. You know, some you, like anything, you get some good ones and you get some that aren't perhaps in it for the right reasons. But mm. transfer fees are still quite rare, mostly because women's contracts, they're a little bit more limited. You don't often see anyone getting anything more than three years. And yeah, that fine. that in itself is, is being quite a long contract. You usually get a year with an option or maybe two. On average, is is what you're looking at, and I guess that's because of the not the in, I don't want to say the instability of the game, but the it's still a young game. You know, yeah. we're still at a point where yeah. we're growing, and you know, you might have the money now. The likes of Chelsea, Man City, Arsenal, are slightly different. They're a lot more established, and they've got probably better backing and a more more stable backing maybe than some clubs. But it's it's a big gamble to start offering a squad of players three four year contracts when you know relegation could have a really detrimental impact on on your side so you tend to get a bit more tentative offers and that means that clubs then are a bit more happy to wait for a player's contract to run down before attempting to sign them so you do get the odd transfer fee I mean Peniel Harder who went to Chelsea I think there was a world record fee paid for her um, from Chelsea signed her from Wolfsburg I don't know what the fee was um, but it's going to be nowhere near anything yeah. that we've seen in the men's game, obviously. Um, but generally speaking, clubs will wait for a, a player's contract to, to run down or, you know, be on the way out before they make, make that move. But, you know, when I was younger, again, that the contract thing was, it wasn't a professional contract and... I, think they, I don't think you could sign for more than a year back then. Um, wow. So it was just word of mouth. It was managers getting in touch with players that they know and saying, oh, can you speak to so-and-so? And a little bit of Chinese whispers of oh, I've heard this manager wants you, do you want to talk to them? And then eventually you end up on the phone to the manager and decide whether you want to go or not. And I think to an extent that probably happens still now. And it probably happens in the men's game as well. You see managers go from one club to another and take, take one or two players with them. And I think that initial contact in, in any sport and in any game, it will be that initial approach where you, you suss out whether that person's interested and then, then you go through the sort of more official channels if you like but I think I got a phone call once and was offered a, a packet of crisps and a, and a can of coke if I wanted to go over to another club <laughs> that, was my, that was my offer of a signing on fee wow. um, but yeah <laughs> it it's, a lot, it's a lot more serious than that these days
0: yeah no, well it's good wow. it's good and it needs to be because the thing is as we've just touched on a bit ago you know once Sky and, and these companies get involved in the sponsorship now and and all the other bits that go with it, you know, there's and I and I you, you touched on it there with, with regards to people that get involved in the game for the wrong reasons, and you know, that mm. that's blighted the men's game for generations now. Um, and uh, you know, and I hope there's enough in place to stop the wrong people getting hold of, you know, yeah. vul- and I will say there weren't vulnerable people who Definitely. See, see something shiny and go, you know, and, and, and off we go. And you know, and, and in the men's game, it's led to some, some tragic things, um, and I'm sure. You know, even a, a, a young girl that gets told at, at a certain age that, yeah, you, you know, you're not good enough. You, you know, um, you're not going to make it. You know, that's it's yeah. devastating. It doesn't matter if you're a boy or girl. It doesn't matter. And there isn't enough in place really for that. And we were talking to Richard Johnson recently, mm-hmm. um, who, who's really trying to get involved with that, with, with the club and, and, and Watford, for, yeah. you know, for, the, for the girls and the boys, you know, um, coming coming in. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's a... I love the game, I love football so much, uh but I, I also there's so much of it that I hate and I despise yeah. and it, it, it's a weird thing, you know, mm. especially when you talk to a to somebody that's played the game at such a level, you know, yourself and, and me and Justin spoke to to you know, players like Luther Blissett, you know, where, where they've went back in his day, you know, he says to himself he wouldn't cope with that now, what what, what gets chucked to players. Yeah. You know, so it's it's, it's crazy. Yeah, um, yeah, and I think the
2: other thing, sorry, just to put no, yeah, after go that, for, that go is for it. In in women's football, at the stage where at the moment the money, even the top players are getting, is not going to be enough to retire on when you get to 35, 36, whatever it is. Or if you know if you're injured and your career's cut short, ninety nine point nine percent of the women coming out of football, or the girls coming out of football, are going to need another career beyond that. Yeah. And that's my biggest worry is that you know, whether it's agents, whether it's friends, family, getting in a young girl's ear and saying, don't worry about your education, go and play football, mm. go and put everything into that. I mean, that's great. And it's a fantastic career for potentially 10, 15 years. It's but though, what it? what are you going to do after that? You need to have something. And again, that's where unfortunate people say gutted that you've missed the, the sort of professional boat, if you like. Yes and no. But to be honest, I, I sort of I've lived in the real world during my whole career, yeah. and I think that's going to help me. That when I do hang my boots up, it's not so daunting. Of course, I'm going to miss football, but my whole world hasn't relied around football. I've, I'm lucky enough to have a mortgage and own a house. Whereas, if you're moving from club to club, chasing contracts, and you're just being put in club accommodation or you're renting,
3: yeah. fine.
2: But when you move out of that, what are you going to do to then support yourself and your family? And and I think it's important that the younger players, in particular, they know that that's that's the case and yes you might be earning a really good living and having a great time now and and by all means enjoy that but make sure you you know you've got something in the back of your mind for, for what you want to do afterwards whether that's saving money whether that's doing a degree or a course that's going to then help you beyond football because you know as you said anything can happen you can get released you can get injured or even when you just come to a natural end of your career there's going to be something that you you need to do to to move into the next stage
1: of your life what are the opportunities for uh women footballers once they retire because obviously men go into punditry or into management or they go into scouting Uh, are there similar opportunities in the women's game
2: there's beginning to be some um you know you look at Someone like Alex Scott, who's doing fantastically well. She's now football she's focus awesome. host, and yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. I and mean, but it, it's Junction difficult. Once, so she's, she's quality.
0: She <laughs> yeah. so she's
2: sound. It's, but it's difficult for women because if you're really good and you get the opportunities, there's still people there saying, "Oh, that's just ticking the box. That's you know, it's only because she's a woman that she's got the job." And and I do honestly find that um you know, speaking from experience, I've done it. I did the same degree as Alex um, in sports writing and broadcasting, so I'm I'm as equally qualified as she is, right? Uh, on paper, anyway.
0: <laughs> right. Um, I mean, that means you're a hundred times
3: more qualified than me, Justin. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. But
2: but you do feel like you almost have to justify your your role or your you know your opportunities a lot more than than say a, an ex male pro or an or a current male pro. Yeah. You almost have to your opinion is scrutinised a lot, lot more and what you offer is is scrutinised a lot more because you're a woman and I hope that that does start to change and we are seeing more and more women getting opportunities which is fantastic but with those opportunities they're still getting a lot of stick Um, so I'm hoping that that's starting to change again much like comparing men's football and women's football can't we just allow pundits to be pundits and don't get me wrong you're not going to like every pundit I don't like every male pundit I don't like every female pundit that's just opinion but I'm not going to have a go at someone because of their sex their race their religion anything like that. That, that that's not that's not for me to judge. I yeah. can judge you on whether I think you're speaking sense or not, but you know, I'm not going to judge you because of who you are or, or what you look who like, you kind are. of thing. So,
3: yeah, yeah. And there
2: are those sorts of opportunities and coaching and stuff. Obviously, as well, is another route you can go down. But some of them are a little bit more difficult at the moment um, than others. But again, hopefully, that changes.
1: What What are your ambitions for when you finish football? I'd
0: like to. I'd like to see referees and fourth of, fourth officials. <laughs>
2: Funnily enough, I did a, I did a panel with um, three Welsh officials and it was really, really eye-opening actually. One of them was my ex-teammate Cheryl Foster who I played with for Wales and she's gone on to become a qualified UEFA referee um, and hearing her experiences of it was, was really quite interesting. I mean, she hasn't convinced me
3: um, <laughs> to, to go
2: into that line of work, um, but it was quite interesting to hear because as an, as an older player um, and someone that's been captain, I've had a, a few conversations shall we say with referees in the past and you know I understand how hard their job is um oh, sometimes we don't come across famous, that way when I when I'm speaking task, for them <laughs> it is um but it was it was quite nice to have a conversation with them to get their point of view because you know as a player I always find it really difficult when a referee doesn't communicate with you and you sort of brushed off because that that makes you more and more angry when you you know it's fine if you've made a decision but if you can't explain to me why you've made that decision I'm going to get angry Mm. if you can explain it I might not agree but at least you've given me a reason Mm. Um, and she was very much of the same thought process which I'm sure is why she's gone on to do as well as she has you know she referees in the men's Premier League Welsh Premier League as well and, and is by all accounts, got a really good reputation. So it's not not necessarily my choice of career, but it is again, it is something that that more and more women are, are getting into
1: as well.
0: I'm, I've always said to my wife, she should be a referee because she scares the bejeebas out of me. <laughs> and I, I wouldn't say nothing to her. But you would have to I admit, worry, she's
1: ref- always right, though, Carl. That's the problem. You know, that's. Yeah. <laughs> she is generally speaking. Generally speaking, but no, that's. I mean,
0: that's what I'm talking about. And just just touching that and, and talking about football. Um, you know, I look at that and, and what you just said about uh, the referee, and, and if a referee doesn't explain something to you, and, and that's where mm. I think this this whole VAR thing's going belly up at the moment. Because yeah. if, if you could get something in place, I don't know if you watch having uh, Welsh grandparents. I'm sure you watch a lot of rugby. Pigeon. I don't league. mind rugby. I'm,
2: I'm I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a glory hunter. i I watch the World Cup from the Six Nations, <laughs> like but me. I don't really I don't <laughs> understand it. I'm not going to claim to understand the rules. No, exactly. That's I very I... much enjoyed the Six Nations this year know yeah. there was that moment where it looked like it wasn't going to work but, out for Wales, but um, yeah,
0: well they've done superb. But do you know, what to you know me with a sport that I don't necessarily understand fully is mm. the is when you're able to cut to the referee and you can hear a referee explaining what they what they're saying to a player. Now yes. I know I know there's a lot of effing and jeffing in, in in football, and we've all done it. Yeah. But I I think there's got to be something somewhere where the VAR system can cut in, especially with all the TV now, Sky, BT, all this. They can cut in and you can physically hear what the referee's making that decision based on uh, and the conversation between them and the guys over at wherever they are in the van outside. And I just think that would make the whole situation with referees and, and the VAR system just a lot more, you know, palatable at the moment because I... Uh, yeah, which, I agree. I just, the technology is
2: obviously there. Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, I mean, can you... Have you ever scored... In your career, have you ever scored a goal and gone off celebrating and then thought, oh, shit, I, I better, I better wait for a second? Because that's literally where <laughs> we are now. We're literally yeah. like... Oh, can we? Can't we? Can't no, we, to be honest,
2: other than, you know, scoring and then looking around to see the offside flag, but that's, yeah, that's within it? seconds, you know? Yeah. Thankfully, VAR hasn't interrupted the women's game too much. I know it was in exactly. the it was in the champions league final last week and it's in the the euros uh next summer um but it must be strange and i must admit watching watford in the championship this season it was nice knowing that when a penalty was given or a goal was scored
3: yeah. Yeah. the chances <laughs> are that that
2: was it you know there was no there was no chance of it being overturned and and that was nice and mm. the thought of going back to to VAR next season is 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 the only downside of, of being back in the premier league but you just feel so sorry for to the players when they do they go yeah. absolutely berserk and the fans as well that mm. moment of elation it's just taken away from you and, away and that's the reason I yeah do. it makes you, you know, nervous to celebrate doesn't it yeah, yeah, it does
0: yeah, I can't, you know you see the linesman oh for god's sake <laughs> yeah when you're like looking up at the screen
1: yeah, like checking just, VAR yeah yeah,
0: just yeah. Like, for everyone, just make just put it on all these grounds now with massive screens, put it on there. Let us see what you're looking at, you know. Don't yeah. make it like,
2: Ooh. <laughs> yeah, cloak exactly. and dagger, yeah. It's all cloak and daggers, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Just before, because we've got so many punters' questions to get through, and i, I... okay, no problem. Time, um, your player of the season last season. I mean, the
2: obvious choice is obviously, Isar. he was fantastic once he got himself into his rhythm, he yeah. was unplayable at times. But I think, in terms of. You know, I could pick three
0: or four.
2: Right, yeah. You know, you, you could look at Sierra Alta, his impact was huge. Amazing. I think he was phenomenal. Yeah. Um but probably consistency from start to finish, even in the times where we were struggling a little bit, I, I'd probably go with someone like Tom Cleverly. He was consistently an eight eight or nine out of ten for me. Um and when he was missing for that little period, although we kept getting results, they weren't quite as comfortable. as as maybe they could have been with his sort of presence in the midfield. And I think we missed him. And when he came back and he was flying fit for that Norwich game where we have beaten them 1-0,
3: we just saw the
2: importance of him. I don't think we get that result necessarily without him. Mm. Um, and I think even the Luton game, the game before that, he only came on a half farm. I think if he'd have been fit and played that whole 90 minutes, perhaps he gets that by the scruff of the it's neck and, and it's a different game. result. I'll block that game out. I can't remember anything about thankfully it. Thankfully, it, um, it, it didn't count for too much um, <laughs> in the end. But yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, for consistency across the whole season, I think he was fantastic. Kiko Feminier as
0: well. I thought he was yeah, great. Yeah, I the know. Start. Kiko, he was in my um, top three brilliant player but yeah
2: there's there's so many you know
0: I uh, even Ch- I mean you haven't mentioned him there but Chalabar I thought when Chalobah and, and Chalabar yeah together, considering
2: he that, looked yeah. like he could be off in January yeah I think yeah. he, really he stepped I, I up think up. was very close to, the Leicester yeah thing. I think he was very yeah. close but yeah
0: no, I think God he God really
2: stepped it. up to the plate and he I think Troy said it in an interview he saw him grow up last season and and I hope yeah. that then stands him in a good place for the next season because I don't think he's had the impact in the Premier League that We wanted him to have after that injury Mm. in the first season after he came back.
0: Yeah, he always. Um, So I'd really like him. Yeah, I'd really
2: like him to stamp his authority back on the on the Premier League, because he's got the ability to do it. But now hopefully he believes that himself a little bit more and, and we can see the best of him because, you know, he must be coming up to the to the prime of his career. And, you know, it'd be fantastic yeah. to see that, that 17-year-old swagger that he had when he first came on loan and, oh, and
0: amazing, then combine
2: that with the maturity that he showed last season. I think mm-hmm. he put those two together and you've got a hell of a player on your hand.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I remember that guy we scored at Leicester. He just, yeah. instinct, oof, top bins, Casper spike was still looking for it. I'm yeah. Sure, anyway. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I agree. It was, uh, you know, absolutely spot on. Hunter's questions. Hunter's questions. Hunter's questions. Question. Punters' questions. Punters' questions. Punters' questions. Punters' questions. We have quite a few. Okay. So some of them are just comments, but I'll read them anyway because they're quite nice. Um, <laughs> So Robert Hackett is is first up, um, and this is a comment. Can you do us all a massive favour and come play up front for the men's team next season? <laughs> there we are. We spoke about goals and where where they need to come from.
2: No, I don't so. think we need a 35 year old striker in the in the Premier League. Um, I'll be happy to watch someone else do that job.
3: No problem. month, <laughs> <Cheering them laughs> Yeah. <off>. yeah.
0: <laughs> this one is is brilliant, and this is um this this actually comes from a group. It's Watford Watford loan and international. Um, and they they tagged you in it on Twitter. What's it like to be more of a Welsh legend than Ryan Giggs and Gareth Bale?
3: <laughs>
0: You've had a fantastic um, career, international career though. When you look at that on paper, you must go on the nuts. Don't get me wrong,
2: I am incredibly <laughs> proud of it, and it's not something that I take lightly. But I also know that it not my own, all my own doing, you know, and yeah. I can't take all the credit tapping it in from, from two yards out that someone else somewhere along the line has done a lot of hard work for me to be there. So I'll always be very proud of the record. Um, hopefully I've got one or two to add to it as well. But as for being a, a more of a legend than those two, I'm not quite sure that's the case, especially if Gareth goes over and does really well in the Euros again this summer. If he gets mm. us to another semi-final, I think he'll go down in history as, as probably the best ever that we've seen yeah. if he's not already.
0: Yeah, yeah. He didn't look the same player at, at Tottenham this season, but I, I don't know. I think he, he, he's got it. In the he's he's of a different things.
2: animal when he plays for Wales. I think we've yeah, seen glimpses it, like the last couple of games. I think. He's actually his goal-scoring record is actually pretty decent. As yeah. suppose I think it's something like eleven in ten starts, which isn't too bad. But he, he's a different animal um, in the Welsh shirt. He, he sort of takes that that load on his back, and he just loves playing with his mates. And I think you see the best of him when he's playing for Wales. And again, hopefully, we see that this summer.
0: Yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to this Euros. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be special. And there's some great, nice there, especially with the England Scotland game coming up. And no, it's going to be good. Um, right, society Paris. But who eats more chocolate on the way to? training <laughs> and he, he, he's, he's tagged somebody in there so it's yeah, it's Addy that is yeah, yeah Addy,
2: so I yeah. um I give Addy a lift for training um and she's she's very good to me she brings um she brings cream eggs if they're in in
1: in season <laughs> if
0: they're in season
1: it it I said if they're in season yeah <laughs> they have seasons cream eggs don't they they, they disappear in the summer oh, that's right.
0: laugh. <laughs> you just killed Helen as well <laughs> so, yeah know oh
1: yeah
2: Uh, she was very good to me and she looks after me of chocolate but actually we've been quite good recently um, and I haven't had much in the car so if I had to choose I'd probably say me Um, but it's her fault because she she provides it so (laughs) we'll take a share of the blame yeah yeah, cool
0: (laughs) just on another set actually because I know um, know she did a lot uh, and you did at the same time when when Watford did um, obviously the kit reveals and and so forth you did a lot of you know that with with the, the men's first team I actually thought that was quite nice of Watford to do that as well like, encompass everyone because they could have got every Tom, Dick and Harry in from anywhere to, to do those photos with the players. So It was nice that they, they got the girls in to do it as well. Did you get, did you get um, a free kit?
2: I actually did get the black one, yeah. which I was really pleased with because we didn't get to play in that kit this year. Um,
0: They're nice, so it was quite
2: nice to have that one. It's one of my favourite kits in, in recent seasons, to be honest. Um, yeah. Yeah. But no, it is, it's really nice to do those sorts of things. And, and the guys are great with us as well. You know, they're always very chatty and welcoming. And always a lot of them know a lot of our results as well, which is nice. because That's good. Yeah, um, it shows that they take an interest, which is good. Um, and again, it's something that a lot of clubs do now. Not all of them again. But, you know, whether we've been in the Premier League or the Championship, they've always lost, you know, a good few years. They've had us involved, which is... Uh,
0: which is nice. It's
2: just a little thing that that goes a long way for us. Um,
0: Heard a story yesterday about a former player who used to put pepper in his socks before a match to keep them warm. Wow. What strange things have you seen in a changing room? And do you have any, uh, any rituals that you go through before you go out?
2: Um, I've never seen it. I've never seen anything as strange as that. I've seen (laughs)
0: deep heat in your socks to keep your clothes
3: warm.
2: Um, but just make sure you don't touch your face after you've I done it. I made a mistake um, on
0: my chest once. Never again.
2: <laughs> no, you need bicks on your chest. Oh, <laughs> what not are
0: you deep thinking? heat. Yeah, <laughs> I deep heated it. Don't do that, kids. <laughs> yeah,
2: don't do that. Um, but, you know, I don't think there has been anything that strange, to be honest. You know, you get people that put on all their left side stuff before your right and that kind of stuff. But I'm not really that superstitious, to be honest. No. I don't know if that's just as I've got older or just never don't know. I mean, walking to the games at the Vic, I like to go the same way, just in case something yeah. happens if I go the other way. But I mean, we've lost and won plenty of games
0: with me <laughs> yeah. going the same way, so, so there's obviously work, yeah. nothing <laughs> in it. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm weird like that. I, I, yeah, no, I, I get that. There's a certain way that I attack nothing, the
2: Vic from. It's really boring, but no, nothing. I haven't seen anything that strange or, or really done anything that strange either, so apologies.
0: I am... Um, <laughs> I'm basically to blame. I'll, I'll tell you very quickly um, for Watford's relegations over the last well, the last two relegations. Basically, both both been my fault. Uh, it, it, in my friend group, it was uh, noted that I I didn't buy a, a home shirt on a particular uh, season, and we were relegated. Um, no. And then the season that we were recently relegated, season before, like, it feels like last season. I keep wanting to say last season, but it's not. Yeah, where we got relegated back from the prem. Um, I didn't buy the home shirt because I just didn't like it. You know, the the half and half. Yeah, I, just no, I quite didn't... like that one. Yeah, I, bought, yeah, blue, I bought in fact, to put it here, I bought the blue one.
2: That instead. is a nice one. To be That's fair. lovely. That is nice. So yeah. I bought
0: I bought that one instead. Um, and we got relegated, so yeah. So I'm not allowed to not buy a home shirt ever again. I've even <laughs> I even had people saying to me, "I'll buy it for you."
2: <laughs> I don't know if that would count. I think it
1: has yeah, a good point. I That's a good point. Now you're going to have to boy, find the 50 quid, mate. When the new one comes out. I'll try that.
0: <laughs> right, next question. Uh, this comes from Damo. Um, oh, he's, he's got a couple of questions in it. Uh, what was it like playing with Emma Hayes' MBE? She's gone on to great things. What makes her such a good manager?
2: Yeah, it was. Um, I was there, I think, for about a season and a half under Emma. And that was at the very start of her Chelsea journey. Uh, she came in shortly after that FA Cup final I talked about earlier. Um, and she had a lot of, you know, although we got to that final, we weren't performing particularly well in the league. And she had a lot of work to do. And she was one of the first managers to, to sort of bring in foreign players. And I think she learned a lot in that first year and a half in terms of not all foreign players are going to be as good as the British ones that you've already got. And, you know, a few of them didn't work out quite so well as she'd hoped maybe. Um, but you could tell that she had a level of knowledge and detail that was going to make the club a really great place, not just on the pitch but off the pitch. I think she's done a lot of hard work behind the scenes to to make them as integrated into the setup as they are. Uh, they're very much part of the furniture now down at Cobham, and that wasn't always the case. And I think that's probably helped the on the pitch stuff as well. Um, and she's always been very good at recruiting good staff as well that have you know she's fantastic at coaching herself but she knows some areas need different expertise and she's been happy to bring them in and, and and sort of share the load and I think that helps and obviously having come through as a coach at a club like Arsenal, and, and won everything that mm. that you can at Arsenal as a coach. She's she's picked up some really good things from the people she worked with there, and, and brought them over to Chelsea, and, and they're now reaping the rewards. And I think the way she talks to her players, she's obviously got a huge squad there, but she seems to keep them all quite happy.
3: Yeah,
2: and I think that's a massive part of you know a team success, and it's similar to Pep Guardiola at Man City, and and even Cisco, you can say at Watford this year, he's he's needed to utilise a lot of players. Um, But they've all seemed to have come in and and been happy Mm. when they've had their chance. And and that's that's not easy to do um, because every player wants to play every minute, um, which is impossible to do. So if you can make sure that when they're not in the team, they're ready and happy to to play their part when they do get their chance, then you're on to a winner. Mm. And I think that's something that she's obviously done very well um, over the last couple of seasons for Chelsea.
0: Next question, David asks... During lockdown one, there was a lot of brownie talk. Has the girls' cooking skills improved during lockdown two?
3: I haven't moved on from
2: the brownies. You can see a theme here, can't <laughs> There's you?
0: There's a theme uh, about I chocolate, like chocolate. <laughs> eating unhealthily.
2: I, I, I do have a very weak spot when it comes to chocolate or anything chocolate-related. Is, is that
0: your go-to thing, chocolate?
2: Yeah, I, I, I couldn't live without it, and I know it sounds really dramatic, no, yeah. <laughs>
1: But no, it's
2: just, I agree. You just can't get it. It's just great, isn't it? I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just great. Um, so yeah, I perfected the brownie, and I'm, I'm not. You know, I, I probably sound quite arrogant, but they are the best I've ever tasted.
0: Um, okay. Like but I haven't confident.
2: moved on from that. I'm not going to say I could win the bake off because I can't necessarily bake anything else. But
0: oh. the brownie, You've got that. You've I got have that now. You've got that now. Yeah. we go. So
2: I'm, I'm nervous to try. I have done a blondie, which has been okay. Is like the white version of the brownie. Um, but
0: I'm glad you explained that to me because I had no idea. Talked about that. I was literally like, What is that? But like? it wasn't, yeah,
2: it's, it's not as good as a brownie, so that's my go to. And so, no, the rest of my baking hasn't improved, but that is nailed on. I'm happy with that. It's made
0: me quite hungry now. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: If Brilliant. I ever had the pleasure of meeting you in person, and I've got warning, I'll make you some
0: brownies.
1: Hey, That's there's right. an offer! Wow, we've got that. Yeah, got that. there you go. Up for that. Brilliant, definitely.
0: like that. Um, Damo, this is his second question. He's already asked one. Um, how does the dual registration work? Um, do you train with both clubs? Now I know you didn't train with both clubs. You're you, you basically you've been loaned out. That's how it, it. I assume it works, right?
2: Yeah. So if you are a non-contracted player, ah, oh, actually, it might work if you aren't. A contracted there as well but you can basically in our league there, there aren't any contracts and in the championship and above of course there are on a normal season when there's no coronavirus I could in theory have trained with both London Bees and Watford obviously depending on the days of training and the times and stuff and in theory played for one team one week and played for the other team the next week and um, you were literally signed for both sides I think anyway obviously that problem never arose because Watford weren't playing or training at that point, but I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure you can go back and forth, and it's almost it's used normally for sort of a development player, maybe someone yeah. that's a bit younger and is limited on first team opportunities at one yeah. club, but they can go can and get, get out, experience, go and play
0: football somewhere, go
2: and play, yeah, go and play somewhere else. But the club's got that sort of reassurance that if they do need them back, it's an instant thing. There's no paperwork. It's a bad and, idea, is it? Yeah, it's really good. these squads. Um, and obviously, with, with women's football being at the stage it's at, it's a really useful tool for some of the clubs a bit lower down the pyramid to, mm. to get a really talented player, you know, without having to, to take them away from their, their contracted club. It's just, you know, essentially, like you said, it's a bit of a loan, but mm. maybe a little bit less official, maybe. Um, yeah, yeah.
3: But it's a, it,
2: a I don't know that it's u- utilised as much as it maybe can be, but it's certainly something that can help out both sides and, and the player in particular, so... It's something that I don't think probably exists at any level in the men's game. I could be wrong, um, but it is is something that, yeah. that can it happen be. in, Maybe in it our should game.
0: Be. Definitely, especially yeah. when you think about how many youngsters are, are. Again, I'm going to give the men's game a little kicking. You know, you've got kids that haven't played first team football and on 60 grand a week driving around in mm. brand new Mercs. It's like, oh, yeah. what's going on here? You know. <laughs> yeah. But that's just me. That's just my opinion. Say no more. <laughs> right. Uh, David, quick. He asks, how's the development squad looking? Uh, Anyone looking like having some potential?
2: Yeah, we've got a decent development squad. We have done for the last couple of seasons. Um, uh, Nearly nearly two years ago now, they they won the Hearts County Cup, which is a, a senior competition. But we enter our development team into it and they won that. They beat Stevenage first team. Um, quite convinced me. I think it's 4 5 nil. Um, they also got to the final last season but never got to play it because of coronavirus. Um, so I think that shows the, the level they're at. They're really, you know, it's not easy to go and play against players that have been playing for a long time when you're sort of 17, 18 years of age. Um, but we've got some really talented girls and we've had a, a couple of them come up, you know, either to training or or in, in match day squads and on the pitch the likes of Kiara and Ruby have, have done that in recent seasons, we've got a, a girl called Renelle Humes who's got a lot of talent a lot of ability who you know could well have a breakthrough season next season um, so there's definitely a few coming up and putting pressure on, on the oldies like myself. Um, but they're a, they're a really good group as well. I think, you know, they've got the right attitude and the right temperament to to make that step up if they're called upon. Um, and hopefully they've got the hunger and desire to do it as well, because, you know, they could have really bright futures if, if they want to. And, you know, the coaches, Laura, Joe, everybody that works with them has done a fantastic job as well. Um, so a lot of credit must go down to them um, in helping them develop.
0: Good, good news. Now, I've saved this one for last because it—it's it, it, a lovely, uh, a lovely question, and, and also from, from where it's come from as well. So, uh, it's the Watford FC Women Supporters Group on Twitter, uh, and they've put attendances have been growing over the last seasons. Supporters groups formed, fans showing up in numbers at away games, which is incredible. What does it mean to the girls to get that support? It,
2: everything. It really does. Um,
0: yeah, superb.
2: I think. The one game in particular that really stands out is when we played Plymouth away. I think it was sort of early in December, so it was cold. Obviously, Plymouth is virtually in a different country. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's a longer way down there. At that point, it was a massive game for us as well. Plymouth were were our rivals at the top of the league. Um, We were playing at a home park as well, which is obviously a lovely, lovely ground, really nice pitch. And to know that they'd... They'd organised a the minibus and, you know, transport for, for them all to go down. And they were so good during the game. And it wasn't the easiest of games. We made it very difficult for ourselves. We went 2-0 down within the first 20 minutes, I think. Bought it back to 2 all. Then went 3-2 down. Made it 3-0. And then ended up going on to win 4-3 with a really dramatic late diving header. Whilst we were down to 10 men because, or 10 women, I should say. <laughs> um, because someone had been put in the sim bin, which was a new rule last season in our league. Ah. Um so it was a real sort of topsy turvy game, but then once the final whistle went and we went over to the to the guys that had come down to see us, it was just it meant everything that, that they cared enough to come that far and, and watch us play and you know the weather was horrendous as well. It'd been hammering it down for, for as long as it feels like it's been hammering down this month. Oh, um dreadful, Uh so yeah, that, that, that game obviously really stands out, but all the songs we hear them sing at King's Langley, they're they're wherever we go, home or away, there's a band of a band of supporters that, that come along and, you know, it really does make a difference and you often get the opposition saying things to us like, oh, do they follow you everywhere? And, yeah, OK, some of the songs, they might not like the opposition, but for us, it's <laughs> it's nice for us to hear and, you know, we know that they've got our backs and, and they're there for us all the time and, and that's sometimes just the little edge you need in the game.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think you know just looking at recently you know where fans have been allowed back in at, um just now you can see the difference it makes um and i was always curious about from a from somebody that you know plays at the, at the level you do and professionally you know what what uh, impact the fans have and you know i can certainly see it now especially after covid that we do you know and it really does matter yeah. um
2: and i and think it, you know you've seen in the games over the weekend and and the last week where the grounds haven't been anywhere near full, but mm. they sound it. And that's yeah. the sort of power of the fans once they're behind you and when they're together. However many of them there are, you can really make a noise and make yourselves known. And I caught the end of the Sutton United game yesterday when yeah, they when yeah. they won the league. And yeah. I just thought, what a lovely thing for them to played the whole season behind closed doors. And then that mm. moment that meant everything. They've got yeah, their, the fans. their fans behind them. And I just yeah. thought... You know, it was so good to see. I felt heartbroken a little bit for the Forest Green fans the other day, watching their team. At the same time, I was I was pleased for Newport being a Welsh side. But you know, it was just so great to see fans back in stadiums, and and it did make a difference to some teams. I think Brentford probably got the rub of the green a little bit having fans there. So it can't I be taken for what, granted, and I don't think, honestly and truthfully, yeah, and I don't think it. I don't think football can ever take fans for granted again after the last eighteen months. I think. You know, it's become so apparent, especially with the whole Super League thing and all that stuff that went on. Fans are such a big part of the game um, and that can never be disputed. And hopefully that leads to to some clubs, not all, but some clubs treating their fans a little bit better and and with a little bit more respect than than perhaps they have done in recent seasons.
0: Amen to that. (laughs) Definitely. Hello, my name's Chris Stark. I'm from BBC Radio 1, that Peter Crouch podcast. And you are listening to the Do Not Scratch
1: Your Eyes podcast.
0: Well done, is what I want to say, because I think you're an absolute inspiration for, for any young person, boy or girl, um, you know, coming up and trying to, you know, make it in football and, and the attitude that you show and, and stuff like that. And I've, honestly, I've never met you before. Um, I've heard a lot about you but it's been an <laughs> absolute pleasure to speak to you and, and um, just brilliant just thank you for your time Oh well thank uh, you
2: very much that's very kind of you appreciate that thank you
1: and I know you're in the rookery end now so I'm coming round for some brownies as soon as we're back <laughs> I'll be there yeah, you'll, you'll
0: get away from me because I'm in the vic, vic ends I'll sneak you oh, in don't so worry no that. I'll yeah. sneak you in <laughs>
1: mate <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh it's been an absolute yeah, pleasure oh, no I, I,
2: it's been lovely thank you for having me
1: really enjoyed it thank well, you so you, much
0: uh, let you get back to your, your husband or partner's probably where's she gone <laughs> <laughs> she went, she upstairs for five i minutes. haven't
2: heard i haven't heard anyone go mad downstairs yet so i think they're okay my little Either. dog's just been curled up on the bed the whole time so she behaves herself
1: oh well done amazing <laughs> <laughs> listen that was great thank you so much it's been That's great absolutely.
2: no thank you for having me i look forward to the help like promote it and you know
1: get it out yeah, there no, so thank sure you that. for having me brilliant thank you very oh. much all,
2: all right,
1: right hope to speak cheers. soon cheers lot. guys take care bye 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 get 20 percent off and free delivery with the code your eyes 20 at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off with free delivery at manscaped.com and use the code your eyes 20 your balls will thank you